0: Day one of BYU training camp is in the books. What did I observe out there in the 20 minutes the media had to take away as well as catching up with the players and coaches who spoke after practice? And we're talking one-on-one about BYU tight ends with tight ends coach Steve Clark. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the
1: Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listener of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction and a reminder that we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And a big thank you, all the same, for all your support, watching it on YouTube, listening it to wherever you get your podcast. Cannot thank you guys enough for all of the support. All right. BYU training camp day one is in the books, my friends, out there on the practice fields outside the student-athlete building in Provo. And it felt really good, honestly, just to be out there. It means football's on its way, folks. It's such a finite period during the fall when college football is actually playing. It might be the shortest season in terms of a high-level sport, in terms of just the overall length of the season. And for most teams, it's compacted into Three, maybe four months, four months at the very most, and it's just crazy. But we spent all year talking about it, and I just, I for one, love when I'm able to get out there and watch football being played. Now, I also add this caveat: day one of BYU training camp, like all other training camps in college football, are players wearing jerseys, shorts, and helmets. There are no pads, so trying to get a good read on anything day one, day two, really the first week, it's kind of hard to really make definitive declarations on what was good, what wasn't, etc. But the thing about this is the biggest takeaway from day one for me, and this has been mentioned elsewhere, let me be very clear about this, is that Jay Hill has brought a pretty novel idea that, in retrospect, thinking about it, I'm surprised this hasn't been done more often, where BYU, when they were doing their team drills during the uh, media viewing portion of practice, they actually were running two team portions on both of their practice fields. They essentially split the squad down the middle, uh, a number of transfers on both sides along with uh, holdovers and Uh, first stringers and third stringers the the way it was told to me is that BYU essentially split the squad right down the middle and then had their team portions going on at concurrent times the way it's going to go is it sounds like that's going to exist here early on in training camp and the whole idea behind it is something that Jay Hill brings over from Weber State is to get guys extra reps and it seems absolutely brilliant I'm frankly stunned that this has not been used more often in college football maybe it is elsewhere but for BYU I had never seen this before very novel concept but at the same time, kind of looking at it, I'm like, that's absolutely genius. It gives an opportunity for all these players to get additional reps when it comes to going against their teammates and obviously getting engrossed into what BYU is running offensively and defensively. It just seems like it was a really, really smart move. Now, trying to make uh, declarations of who's first string versus second string. Off of that is going to be near impossible, and obviously, I think we will not, we will withhold, we'll withhold judgment and just reserve the right to reprise uh, the depth chart, that type of stuff, till midway through training camp, get a better feel for things. But the one thing I really liked about day one is the quarterbacks showed live arms, and I'm talking everybody that I saw out there was throwing the ball: Keaton Slovis, Jake Retsloff, uh Cade Fenegan. Ryder Burton, Nick Billups. Uh, Cole Hagen was not throwing passes that I saw. He actually was in his jersey but did not have a helmet. He was off to the sideline signaling in plays. I don't know what his status is, but uh, those quarterbacks were showing off a live arm. The wide receivers had a lot of good plays early on uh, in the media portion. The first play we saw as a media core was a, a nice pass from Keaton Slovis to Cody Epps right down the sideline. Uh, the big defensive play of the day in B- in BYU's media portion was an uh, interception by Isaiah Glad- he undercut a route. It looked like it was Isaac Rex going across the middle of the field. Jake Retzloff he either misread or just lost Isaiah Glasker kind of in the shuffle. It was a 7-on-7 drill, and Glasker just kind of undercut the route. It was not a well-thrown ball, I'll also say that. It didn't have enough uh, RPM or the height on it to get it. Like, you talk about sometimes you have to get that pass over a linebacker and below a safety to get it into that hole. Uh, it was not thrown well. and was picked off, and Glasker was off to the races. and uh, Big play for him, by the way. Isaiah Glasker looked very, very good kind of picking up where he left off from BYU during spring camp. So good to see him out there. The linebacking core was flying around. Uh, The one thing I will also add about the defense is I had two different people uh, that don't know each other that I'm aware of, maybe they do, but tell me separately and independent of one another that BYU's defense on day one got after it harder than they have ever seen BYU's defenses get after it since the early days of Bronco Mendenhall. Now, some of you may be old enough to remember the early days of 2003 and 2004 when Bronco Mendenhall was. Brought in as BYU's defensive coordinator. They were having spring practices in February. Broncos out there in shorts and t-shirt, making his guys run pursuit drills till they were puking, quite literally, out there. Now, I don't think BYU was running them that hard, but I was told that just the intensity level from this defense on day one was reaching that type of, of work. And I'm not I'm I'm not saying that I'm surprised by this because Jay Hill knows that he's got a pretty monumental task to get BYU's defense up to snuff in time for the football season, and obviously their first season in the Big 12, but them putting in that work, that's a positive sign. The other thing, just based on my personal observation, is this team overall, I'm talking offense, defense, special teams, and everywhere in between, they look just bigger, stronger. They just they look more the part of a Big 12 program. Does that mean anything in reality? No, not until they take the football field and actually play a game will it really mean anything, but just the the look of BYU to me, they look significantly larger. They look like they've been in the weight room working hard. It looks like they have more quote-unquote dudes out there, and you need as many dudes as you can get in this Big 12 era for BYU. The transfer uh, players that I saw walking around, they've got uh, some pretty impressive prospects. The offensive linemen they have brought in, they just recently brought in uh, a new offensive lineman last name Paulo he is just an absolutely gigantic human being Caleb etn folks he is six foot eight uh, not not standing in cleats like he's six eight flat foot barefoot on the ground you put cleats on him he's pushing what six nine six ten at that point it's crazy how big some of these dudes for BYU's offensive line are but the nice part is it looks like there's gonna be plenty of competition across the board at all positions I'm talking running back wide receiver uh, The defensive backfield, linebackers, defensive line, the positive news is these players are getting after it. And, yes, it's easy on day one to do this. Two weeks from now, when it's day 15, 16 of spring camp, How are the guys going to be feeling? Are they going to bring that same intensity? That is something that is absolutely going to have to be answered uh, by these players. and I hope they they carry that fire that they had here day one, and I'm expecting day two today, etc. That they will continue to bring it day after day to give BYU the best opportunity to compete this first year in the Big 12, but they've got to do that. Now, I'm pulling out my phone because i got my other notes here. Uh, Defensively, the alignments that uh, I observed is BYU would run 4-3 or 4-2-5 alignments depending on what the offense was lining up like. If they came out in what they call 11 personnel, where there's There's only one running back and one tight end where you have multiple wide receivers. BYU would shift into their 4-2-5 with a nickel corner out there. If it became a 12 personnel where you have two tight ends on the field and a running back, that's when BYU would go to the 4-3. They are going to align themselves defensively to what the opposing team does, and that should be a, a... great thing, honestly. For you as Cougar fans, a number of you out there uh, would chime in throughout the entirety of last season and the year before that saying that, why doesn't BYU adjust to what the opposing team does is doing. And that's one thing Jay Hill has promised that he will do. He is not going to suffer, as he says, death by a thousand paper cuts. It's, it's a positive thing to hear him say that. Now, some players that stood out just running drills. I, I like the new addition at tight end. Ma, Ma, Mataava Taase, a transfer from Southern Utah. He showed some really nice hands and a nice ability in terms of just his overall agility at tight end. Dylan Flowers, another transfer from Southern Utah, uh, was getting some run in the defensive backfield. Looked like he was fitting in quite well, all things considered, especially considering that was his first day practicing with the team. Uh, One of our practice insiders weighed in and kind of gave me some of his thoughts. He said that Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion, the transfer wide receivers, were very, very impressive day one. They said that they were very impressed with their their polish. And Now, it shouldn't be surprising. These are guys who have played at the collegiate level. Obviously, Lassiter coming in from Eastern Michigan where he had an absolutely sensational bowl game this past season for the Eagles. And then, obviously, Keelan Marion having played with the the revolving door of quarterbacks at UConn during his career with the Husbands He's got to be thinking, I've got a better opportunity with a pretty established pecking order at quarterback here. And both of them, according to uh, one of our practice insiders, said that he was very. They, they both were very, very impressive out there. Uh, one name to track in terms of just his overall track speed, quite literally, is Kevin Doe, the walk-on wide receiver from East High School up in Salt Lake City. Uh, was told by that same practice insider that Kevin Doe showed off some incredible wheels. And he may not be the most polished wide receiver, but you can do a lot worse than having an, an absolute outright speedster on your roster. And just keep an eye on number thirty-one, Kevin Doe, which is just a name to kind of file away for the future. Now, some of the young players out there in terms of guys like an L.J. Martin and Jackson Bowers, guys that I was hoping to see out there getting their first taste of college action. Well, they actually weren't out there uh, during the media availability portion of practice. Talked with some people around the program, and a lot of these freshmen actually had to go to class in the middle of practice. They had to get back up to main campus uh, for a class. Now, you may say, why in the world do they have a class scheduled during that time? I don't know. For the life of me, a lot of the stuff that Main Campus versus BYU Athletics does sometimes doesn't jive, and apparently this is one of them. Now missing out day one of training camp when you're just wearing helmets, it's completely different than then missing a game uh, game prep uh, practice the week of Sam Houston State or the like. So you'll take it now, obviously get whatever they need to do out of the way, but the hope is by Friday when we're back out there as media corps, guys like Jackson Bowers and L.J. Martin will be in uniform, be able to see them do their thing. Uh, very impressed with the agility of uh, Aiden Robbins now as a Running back, similar to offensive line, very hard to get a true read until they're in pads and actually taking hits from guys. But Aiden Robbins looks the part. All is six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. He looks like a, just an absolute thoroughbred out there running back. And the hope is that he will c- carry through what he did at, at UNLV last year, notching a thousand yard season, and bring that to Provo. That that's the hope uh, for BYU. Uh, the final note I have from what I observed is just the overall uh, just a demeanor of this team. You can tell that they know what's at stake here. They're taking on a challenge that's literally never been done in BYU history. They're the first team to play at the Power 5 level. They are the first team that's going to play 10 straight Power 5 opponents. They are the first team that's going to compete for a conference championship at the Power 5 level in BYU football history. And you can tell that they're carrying that... uh, burden with them, but they're not letting it weigh them down so far. It feels like they were like, you know what? Let's just go out and do our thing, and that, that's a very positive sign. Now, obviously, like I said, that the tenor of all that can change throughout camp, and we'll be sure to track that in upcoming podcasts, but uh, I think I'm very impressed overall with day one and just the overall intensity, the focus, the, it's kind of the edge uh, that BYU had out there, and hopefully that carries over throughout week one, and obviously you can continue on throughout the entirety of training camp here for BYU. Alright, coming up here in just a moment, going to catch with BYU tight ends coach Steve Clark. Had a great chat with him, talked about a number of the players in his position group, uh, guys that obviously some holdovers, stars like Isaac Rex, as well as newcomers to that position group. We'll talk about all of them as we continue on right here unlocked on Cougars. Now first a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. These days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business or if you're a hiring manager the same type of a deal. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available and that's why you need to start working out with our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right people for your team faster and the best part is for free. F-R-E-E heard that right. Go fill out your job application, get it set up online, then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions will make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So You can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs, helping find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Once again, my friends, so post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are every day with us here on the podcast. Coming up on tomorrow's show, it is a Thursday, and obviously uh, we'll be talking uh, about more BYU football, whatever it may be happening with the Pac-12 realignment. Who knows what's happening out there. But uh, one thing I can promise you, going to have a really fun interview with Isaiah Banya. I had a great chance to catch up with him at practice on Tuesday, but uh, we'll be playing that one tomorrow. But time now to let you guys hear from Steve Clark, BYU tight ends coach. Something I'm aiming to do throughout training camp here is to catch up with each one of the assistant coaches, the position coaches for BYU, and get kind of their insight on each of their position groups so you guys can hear it directly from the quote-unquote horse's mouth about what they like about their guys inside their position groups individually and get some thoughts on what they expect from their guys throughout training camp. So we're going to kick it off right now with Steve Clark right here. On the Locked On Cougars podcast, first day of fall camp, and that just means the season is—we're about a month away. How exciting is that to know that? Hey, it's, it's on its way finally after hundreds of days waiting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. It was—you—you uh, you, never—you never think it's going to get here, and then I'll pretty soon, it's like the, the the water going around the tub. All of a sudden, it's it's gone, <laughs> and uh, and here we are.
0: Now, you've got a, a fairly deep group of tight ends this year, but some new faces in there as well. Yeah. But I wanted to start talking about some of your, some of your veterans, most notably Isaac Rex. Uh, I think you mentioned in the spring that he had all that hardware taken out of his ankle that was put in there. How different does he look right now versus what he looked this time last year? Well, right now he looks good, uh-huh. but, you know, it's the first day. Yes. So we'll see how it
1: how – it, how it, as we progress. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Last year he started off pretty good, but then he got sore. We're hoping that doesn't happen, but it could were you impressed that he battled through as much as he did last year no not at all okay <laughs> he was amazing what he did uh, he was hurting every practice but he he went out he never missed we'd try to take him out and there was times we we did but he was always there never complained so um, if he's good i mean if it's 100 percent, it just shows you how much better he'll be this year
0: how difficult was that as a coach Cause obviously you don't want to rein these guys back, but at the same time you got to be careful with them at the same time. Yeah, not not
1: too difficult. Uh-huh. I just think that's my if that's my kid, you know. It just, it, 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 I well, gotta take him out. Yeah, you know, I'm just not gonna do that to him. Just, I'm just not. So it was more difficult keeping them out than it was taking them out. Okay.
0: Now, with regards to Mason, obviously, he's been around the program for a long, long time now. What does he need to do this fall camp that he hasn't done maybe previously, if anything?
1: Um, just consistency. Okay. I just think he doesn't need to do anything that he hasn't done. He's done it all, but just consistency, maybe um, uh, more violent okay. in his approach. Um, I know that sounds bad, but you know, it's, that's what I'm looking for. It's know. a violent game. It's a violent game, and that's <laughs> that's. Uh, Mason is. Mason doesn't miss. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit more of an attitude when he's when he gets there.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, with regards to guys like him, Mason Coleman comes into this program mm-hmm. as a newcomer. W- Obviously, he was a three-star prospect, and he's here as a preferred walk, as I understand. What does he bring to the program? Uh, so route running. Okay. Really good route
1: running, good hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, did re- some really good things today in the in the route running, but there's two parts to it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, he's getting there route running running wise. He needs to um, get there
0: also quicker in the in the run game. Now Ethan was a guy I remember talking to Coach uh, Roderick, and he he felt like Ethan could really establish himself last year, and he had his moments. It felt like, but how h- how has he looked so far? I know it's only day one, but like in terms of offseason workouts and the like.
1: So, I, or, Ethan has a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and we're trying to harness that talent in the right direction. Mm-hmm. He just he wants to get out and run. He's you know he, he wants he's a horse. He wants <laughs> to get out and he wants to run. Yeah. He's a, a cor- or what do they call that? kentucky derby horses he wants to thoroughbred 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 Mm -hmm. and um, so it's kind of harnessing that into the scheme Mm -hmm. that he needs to work on
0: now anthony olson i actually had a chance to see him at the powder league the other night and he's a basketball player you just told me he's a really good golfer funny enough so he's a a multi-sport athlete he had one of the best catches of spring camp they've had it all over on social media how has he looked? So he's, he put on the most muscle. I think he, he
1: improved the most in the weight room. Okay. Um, it's never been about Anthony. It's never been about the, the catching, the route running. It's mm-hmm. been the physical aspect that he never really got playing one year in, in high school. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where we're focused on. He did some good things today too, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Now Mataava Ta'ase, did I pronounce that correctly? Mm-hmm. I just call him Tava. Tava, okay, I like that. I'll just do. I'll go with that. That's even easier for me. <laughs> but comes in from Southern Utah. What led to you ultimately bringing him here? Like, what, what was the recruitment process like for that? So, um, you know, Bla-
1: Blair Peterson went to from yes. here, took the same offense down. Uh, Tava just mentioned that he would he would like to jump. You know, he's in the port, that he would mm-hmm. be interested in coming here. Um, And we like that because he knows the, he knows, this offense is very uh, complex for tight ends and fullbacks. So with all the signals, all the shifts, everything that goes into it, it was intriguing to us that he already knew it all. And he he does, I mean, he he knows it all. We don't have to really start from day one, he Mm -hmm. knows it. So, and then he's a big body, so.
0: Uh, I also want to ask about Ray Paulo. Is he? I guess Tava, you said he kind of knew the offense. Is Ray kind of starting from square one in a way? Yes.
1: Ray Ray starting from square one? But, but you know, that size and that speed and that agility, you know, will, will find a place. I mean, we'll, we got. If we have to pare things down for Ray, we'll, we'll do it to, to get him on the field.
0: Now, what's your, what's your favorite formation? Are you a twelve personnel guy? Because you okay. <laughs>
1: That's my favorite personnel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My favorite formation. I can't. I can't tell you that. Okay. That's
0: state that's, secrets. That's yeah. That's off limits. Okay. Now, last thing for me is obviously we have kind of went through all these bodies of tight end. There's a number of them there. What do you want to see most from them here? Here in fall camp, getting ready for the season.
1: Um. I I, I want to say we're, we we're talking a lot about um, having a passion for the game. Okay. And playing with passion every single day easy the first day Mm -hmm. day 14 15 it's doing the same thing Um, i think for the for the older guys the veterans i want to see more more detail more detail in what they're doing head placement hand placement routes at the right depths Um, you know just kind of honing in on little things Um, you know that's that's the biggest thing and then the other guys just learning the ba- the basics of the offense is, is, kind of what we're what we're working on right now. And become day one. So. Yeah. Become the quarterback's best friend is that, that's the goal, right? That's that's yeah, that's always for a tight that's end. That's always yeah, that's that's what we're, that's what we're doing, and, and they're getting they had a great summer with each other, yeah. Which, we'll you know, hopefully that'll carry on through, through the fall. Um, but yeah, and, and Keaton, and and Jake are really good at telling him. This yeah. is where we, we want you. This is sit here, yeah. keep going here. You know, that's a hard throw for me here that, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be better if you did it this way. So, you know, let's, you know, keep working with, you know, with the quarterbacks and getting input from them. And, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to do that.
0: There you go, Steve Clark, BYU tight ends coach. A big thank you to him for taking the time. Now, one name that I was remiss that I did not ask about, and I actually am kicking myself for not doing it because it would have been great to get it on the record. Uh, Bentley Redden, a former high-level three-star prospect out of San Clemente, California, who had uh, gone on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints after signing with BYU as a tight end prospect, came home from a mission and just didn't enroll at BYU. Okay, uh, he enrolled at BYU as a school, but he did not uh, start suiting up with the BYU football program. And there were some. Some thought that he was moving on from football. Now, there have been uh, things we'd seen him at spring practice. he would seen him in BYU workout gear during the offseason. The question was, was he going to give it a shot? Well, he was actually out on the field day one of fall camp for BYU, and it uh, should be a pretty hearty welcome back for him. And like I said, I'm kicking myself, honestly. I, just, I, I got done with that interview, I'm like, I did not ask about Bentley Redden because he actually caught a pass from Ryder Burton in late portions of the practice that we saw as a media core and obviously I would have liked to kind of got Coach Clark's uh, thoughts on Bentley Redden rejoining the squad or I guess joining the squad in the first place because like I said he had sat out for a significant period of time following his mission but always good to have guys like that on the roster for BYU as you heard Coach Clark talk about number of talented players there for BYU that he is obviously excited for and uh, hopefully those tight ends can live up to the billing as you mentioned they want to become the quarterback's best friend. Keaton Slovis seems very intent on uh, tracking his tight ends and getting them the ball. One of the big bugaboos about a guy like Jaron Hall during the pre-draft process that I heard from people was he didn't see the middle of the field well, and that obviously resulted in less targets for his tight ends. That was at the college level that they noticed, and you probably, as BYU fans, saw that. He did not target Isaac Rex nearly as often as a guy like Zach Wilson did, but the hope is this year will be a resurgent season for BYU at tight end, and obviously Steve Clark would love nothing more than that, being their position coach. All right, uh, we will round out this Wednesday edition of the podcast coming up next. I'm going to talk about another game in BYU's independent run, looking back at a pretty incredible win for BYU, all things considered, over Arizona State in 2021. It relates to a big topic online yesterday as well with regards to BYU student section. We'll get to all that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Got to get a word in our friends with uh, Perry Homes real quick. Whether you're looking for your first home or ready to upgrade to your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points All designed to meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties along the Wasatch Front. Also multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to move down to the southern end of the state. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. The best part is they have quick move-in homes available if you're ready to make the move right away. They're offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender as well. So check it out, my friends. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. Com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes.
1: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's of best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
0: Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Uh, just a big thank you to all of you, by the way, the hundreds of you who entered our giveaway for the Jaren Hall sweeps, uh, Jaren Hall football uh, sweepstakes. Other BYU gear are going to be handed out. Uh, officially going to reveal the winners for that on our Friday podcast. So if you, if you want to find out if you won, some of that BYU swag I've been get, gathering up is actually, uh, you can't see it on my camera. I've actually got a bunch of it stacked up behind me here on the floor. In my little closet uh, recording studio here, but uh, we'll be doing those. We'll be announcing the winners of that on Friday's edition of the podcast. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, before we go on today's show, let's talk about BYU and ASU back in 2021. Now, BYU had come off a thrilling win, ending the streak against the University of Utah. The good vibes are rolling for BYU. They would officially accepted their invite to the Big 12 Conference. Life was good. And the number 19-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils were making a trip to Provo, Utah to take on the then 23rd-ranked BYU Cougars. Now, this was an absolutely wild, electric atmosphere. The Utah game was an absolute beehive, but for whatever reason, the Arizona State game, I'm not going to lie, it in my mind was actually the more hectic and just overall louder crowd in my mind uh, of those two. Now, and I, I, that may sound like an oxymoron because obviously Utah is BYU's arch rival, but this Arizona game, the one thing I will forever take away from this game are actually just two, two things. The crowd literally getting Arizona State, who might be the most undisciplined team I've seen in quite some time, uh, to commit multiple false start penalties in a row. That is an, an accomplishment in and of itself. But then the other one, Many of you might recall that incredible play. Merlin Robertson picks off a pass from Jaron Hall, an ill-advised throw from Jaron Hall. He ended up with two interceptions in this game. But Merlin Robertson seems like he has a track right down the sideline for a touchdown. Now, Merlin Robertson was a BYU recruit at one time that would have loved to have played at BYU. ultimately uh, decided to go to Arizona State, but he was going to score against a team that he grew up obviously admiring. But then, (laughs) Tyler Algier, what an incredible effort. Comes just streaking down the field. Jumps up. and You may recall, I'm actually kind of recreating it on my video here on YouTube. Jumps up behind him, kind of wraps him with one arm, and then swings his hand through that ball. Punches it out. And to Jaron Hall's credit, Jaron Hall pursued that play uh, and recovered that football. What a superhuman, Herculean effort by Tyler Algier that in many ways completely changed the tenor of this game. It was absolutely incredible. BYU ends up winning this game 27-17. to uh, BYU got Jaden Daniels to throw two interceptions in this game. He finished 21-29 of 29 for 265 yards, so not a bad passing performance, but zero touchdowns against two interceptions obviously are going to downgrade your performance. Jaron Hall tossed two touchdown passes of his own along with his uh, two interceptions. Baylor Romney also had a touchdown pass in this one but BYU gets a huge one they're up 21 to 7 at halftime ASU came rolling back with their other 10 points in the third quarter but BYU put this game to bed in the fourth quarter and that crowd was just absolutely electric and the thing that brings me to is we ran out today's show is there have been some changes with the rock uh the BYU student section now uh They're saying that the Rock Pass is going to be limited to just uh, BYU students and spouses this year. The quote-unquote guest passes, which were what UVU students and other uh, fans who were of college age were using to get into BYU games and fill that student section, they are no longer available. I think that might be a misstep on that front. And by the way, a lot of BYU students very upset with these. Uh, Rock Pass uh, prices are going up to $200. I'm not surprised by that at all. This is a new era of football, folks. Uh, I guess I can say this right now. I literally. literally yesterday, purchased uh, season tickets for BYU basketball. I'll be giving them away to you, the fans. That's part of uh, what I like to do here on the podcast. I actually just secured those seats yesterday, and they were more expensive than I ever paid uh, for BYU basketball season tickets before. Don't be surprised by the increase of price here for the Rock Passes. It's $200. It's up from $150, if I recall correctly. Spouse passes go up to $275. So if you are a married BYU student you and your wife want to go to games, essentially you're going to be forking over $475 to go to these games. I think if you're both BYU students, though, it may just be the $400. But the other thing about this is the Rock Pass and the uh, the there there's no guest passes, as I mentioned, and the passes are now non-transferable. Now this brings me to the, the biggest critical thing that I have a problem with. They said they announced this. We have come up with a digital alternative to the traditional rock line for football and men's basketball games. We are elevating the modern game day rock experience, allowing more time to soak up the pregame festivities. Can we avoid using the word soak and BYU? That's just an aside. But it says camping and waiting in line will not be necessary because essentially they're putting together whether I would call it a lottery in terms of uh, tickets. Now, you're not going to be guaranteed a seat, by the way, even if you have a ticket uh, to these games, apparently. Now, that's not all that surprising. We showed up late and the student sections filled up so be it but this is a very weird deal because the way it reads, and I may be wrong about this, and anybody from the BYU student section, The Rock, that wants to correct me on this, I'd love to have your input on this. And they have already uh, been uh, issuing some statements saying that they're uh, kind of reevaluating a couple of things with regards to this. They said, uh, all the passion and energy amongst our fan base, we understand there are many questions and concerns related to the changes we have shared today. We hear you. We're currently looking at possible solutions to address the questions and concerns that are being shared. The biggest question I've got is a lot of these students, and I did this when I was a student at BYU, is that what well, like. To attend with my friends. I had set seats with my best friends uh, from growing up and also some of my roommates during my time at BYU and the way this reads is that you would not be guaranteed a seat alongside your friends. You essentially would be given your seat is here your friend could be three sections away and up 50, 50 rows. That, it just it doesn't feel like a very well thought out process. Now I'm sure there was thought put into it I'm not saying that there wasn't thought put into it but first off, I don't like the name rock uh, just I, the roar of cougars That's another aside. I don't like the student section name. There was one they called, they wanted to call it the Abyss. I think it was the Almighty Brigham Young Student Section, which was a great name, I thought. It was just awesome. The Abyss would have been a fantastic name. They went with The Rock. So be it. You know what? Great. But here's the thing. Students are a huge part of setting the game day atmosphere. And if you're going to randomly assign seats, you're going to take some of the more rabid students who are on that front line, seemingly game after game, riling up the crowd, kind of generating a lot of that emotion from the student section, et cetera. And you you potentially could be sticking them at the top of the student section and have some other person who's just there along for the ride on a date eating their cougar tail alongside the girl that they like from their student ward. And so be it. But I think you need to reevaluate a couple of things if you're The Rock. Now, they said that they are going to reevaluate I hope they come to a consensus of, okay, this is what we can do better here, etc. But the way they had things originally announced... Much like a lot of things it feels like with BYU not completely f- uh, fleshed out and uh, just it was it was half baked I guess is the easiest way to say it. I am hopeful that they will revisit some things and obviously the rock will be a strong strong part of the game day atmosphere especially during football and basketball games this fall and winter and very much looking forward to it. But uh, I do think that there needs to be some changes some adjustments made. But I, I have the faith. The BYU will get things corrected. And obviously the students, uh, both the leadership of the rock, the lay student themselves, et cetera, they will obviously have their input. And I'm hopeful that a, a, hopeful that a pretty even resolution can be had amongst all parties. All right, so there you go. Uh, some of my thoughts on all things, BYU day one, crazy. Crazy day, but nonetheless, an absolute blast to actually be watching football once again. And a big thank you to all of you for your support of this podcast. It's absolutely incredible to hear from you guys. Uh, Just every day I'm out and about in the community and people recognize what I do on the podcast, it astounds me. So thank you for the support. It truly means the world to me that you guys make time in your day to watch and or listen to this. So thank you once again for making it your first listen of the day. Thank you for being every day with us here on the podcast. And, of course, return with us tomorrow as we talk all things uh, BYU football once again right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.